Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's Overcoming PTSD podcast. My name is Brad Shipke, and I'm here with my lovely, lovely uh, life partner and business partner, Kayleen Wright. Hey, everybody. How are you doing, Kayleen? I'm doing well. It's great to see you, as always. Bradley. I have a great topic for today. It's a surprise topic to me, so I'm very excited to hear about it. Yeah, I forgot. Today was my surprise topic day, Uh, so I spent the last 10 minutes thinking of it, but it's a really good one. Uh, I wrote an email on it last week. And I think it'll be a really good conversation for us to go back and forth and dig deeper on because I think there's a lot, um, I think there's a lot to uncover. Like we, we, we know a lot about this topic, but I think it's also going to be a really great conversation. So, so excited. I have no idea. The conversation is, and the topic is the balance between emotion and logic when it comes to processing and Mm. healing. This is a good one. Right. Mm -hmm. So like there is this balance, right? So I say the word balance because you need a balance of logical skills and emotional skills. And different people, I think, have uh, strengths. Some mm-hmm. are more uh, have more strengths in, in the logical area. Some have more strengths in the emotional area. Kayleen and I were, like, we were the Total opposite, opposites, right? Like, yeah. you were more emotional. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you were more emotionally skilled. <laughs> and... Um, I didn't have any emotion. I had neither. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, um, you need you need to kind of work both both sides of the brain. But I also want to talk about the hierarchy of emotion and logic. Okay. Where, yeah. Like we were talking about last week, where mm-hmm. it's so easy to let emotion take the reins. Right. Yeah. This is a, This going to be a cool conversation. I love having this conversation with you, and we've had it in different ways over the years, and. What I think is cool and also tricky about this topic is that, like, I think we all have skills in both. And then it's also very situation dependent, which we can talk more yeah. about when we talk about the uh, hierarchy. Yeah. I would say we we probably have, instead of skills, we have, like, talent or inborn, inborn talent. You're, like, you're born with a certain level of, like, a capacity to learn this. Like some people are better at, like even me, like the way that I work, I'm, I'm better at math and sciences than I am at arts and writing, right? And I don't know if you're the opposite, but I'm also a very creative person. Yeah, I person. disagree with you completely. Yeah, yeah, you're an incredibly creative person. Oh, well. And so that's where I actually think it's <laughs> But I had an incredibly challenging part with my emotions, right? So but, I think that's the concept that I was trying to get across. It's like emotionally, it was very, very challenging for me to get in touch with them and to process them and to develop, to develop those skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think like, to my point, right, I think it's hugely situational because there are times where you're incredibly logical and then there are mm-hmm. times when you're incredibly, and I don't mean emotional, like when I say like incredibly emotional, that doesn't mean like broken down crying emotional, but like incredibly emotional and like in touch with that. Yeah. And I think create creativity like can play a role in that and that can look like creativity. Yeah. And I always had, it doesn't mean I never had emotions. Right. right? It's just like, I didn't, it was a harder time for me to to develop the skills. So I think a really good starting point would, would be let's first talk about emotion and then move to logic. Um, but like the emotional skills that are required to heal because this, this is like a very top down um, bird's eye view of Mm -hmm. the recovery process. Right. And it's almost a foundation to then going on and bringing us to the processing tools. So if anybody's listening part of the, our membership and you know, the processing tools, like 
this will help you tremendously mm-hmm. gain a really good foundation, I think, yeah, for processing. Because when I learned these things, it was much easier to develop the skills, my emotional skills, and then my logical skills and things like that of that nature. So do you have any kind of like logical or emotional skills? I have a few on the top of my head that I had to develop. Are there any that... I know, like, so I'll just start with, the, I'll start with one. Okay. So, like, just to get the ball rolling. Uh, the ability to, well, first, feel your emotions. I think that's, that's one, right? To, to feel them, to get in touch with them, and to release them, right? So, I shut down, especially when I went through, you know, my various hardships in my life. I, my tendency and my, my habitual response was to shove it all down, to not feel it and not to, not to show it, mm-hmm. right? And I remember, uh, you know, we live in Rhode Island now. So I remember driving from Rhode Island back to my parents' house in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving off the exit, or I remember the whole car ride. I was like, I was just like, I, was, I knew I felt so emotional, but I didn't know how to get in touch with them. I knew that I wanted to, all I wanted to do or like all I felt like doing was crying, but I couldn't get myself to cry, which I don't think that's something that you related. I don't think I've ever experienced with. that. Yeah. Yeah. But that to me was like the first thing, like where it was, it was kind of like a red flag where it's like, I know there's something wrong here. <laughs> yeah. Like I know that I know this is something that I'm going to have to develop if I'm going to want to address the problem. And another way of looking at it is like, I couldn't even express the problem that I was facing internally. Right. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even get close to close enough to the problem to solve it. Right. And that's kind of where you bring the logical part in as well as like, well, um, an emotion inside of you is just a problem, right. That needs to be solved in, a, in very simplistic terms <coughs> or, or it can be, obviously it can be like an expression, but in regards yeah. to like an un, unresolved, unprocessed trauma, you go back and you can resolve it and you can solve it. And part of that is also the release of emotion. So it's not like a binary thing, but on the logical side, it's more problem solving. Yeah. But yeah, I just remember driving home and like, I couldn't cry no matter how hard I wanted to. So that I had to develop the skill of releasing those emotions and getting in touch with those. And I can talk about the process. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great place to start because, well, what I love about this conversation is how different we are and how different our experiences are. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep going back to like my understanding that this is situational because for me, like when I experienced hardship, there, there were like two modes that I had and one was push away. Mm-hmm. And that was like close off, right, That's from the true. people that I loved as well as myself and yeah. push away and like pretend like that wasn't happening, right, and put on a happy face, which mm-hmm. we can talk about later is not necessarily always a bad thing. So it was like to to take extreme control and push away and then not deal with. But then like in the comfort of like just being by myself or Mm -hmm. a lot of times it would come out in my sleep, but like just being by myself (laughs) or later once I fell in love with you and felt like a vulnerable connection and safe with you in the safety of like our relationship, then it was big, big feelings. Because before we met, you were a very closed down person to everyone, right? right? Including you, right? Including me. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't just like a magical. Kind of credit like 
I don't know if credit is good or bad in the sense like good ultimately, but like falling in love with you because like just like falling in love like with you and things up. letting those walls down as like as a huge part of the healing journey for me because it was so closed off and I did push away from everything so hard. And then as I started to like let love in and love in return, those walls kind of crumbled and then it felt like almost everything kind of came bursting at the seams and it was really, yeah. really very challenging yeah well it's like all your walls like basically came down at once yeah right so for me it was a process of like i had to learn how to let my walls down but for you what it sounds like it was like we started dating and falling in love and whatever and that opened up your heart and they just burst wide open yeah right like you still had symptoms and obviously emotion like emotions mm-hmm. and everything else but it just it was just open right so like you were like your nightmares got worse your mm-hmm. flashbacks got worse right which is actually it's a it's a ex- extremely common thing when you start recovery which is such yeah. a, a it's a really important piece to to touch on because when a lot of people join recovery secrets our membership um and start going through the success path and start processing for the first time, they experience that same thing that you experience because you open up the door. It's like a rawness. It's like a rawness, but it's mm-hmm. not in a bad way. It's you actually facing and accepting and working through the fear and the pain, right? Instead of pushing it down and pushing it away. And when you do that, you actually heal it. Right. When you push it down, like you pushed it down for your entire life. Right. And I think everybody can like relate to that. It's like, well, when you push down an emotion, it doesn't really go away unless it's like, if it's not a trauma, you can work through it. Right. If it's a trauma, one of the distinctions of a trauma is like, what is it after? I forget the exact number. The time period is like three months. Yeah. Yeah. So after like 90 days, if you still experience distress and symptoms from the trauma, then that is when it develops into PTSD or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, so not everything uh, follows this, this kind of, this pathway, but traumas do. And, you know, this is a, <laughs> we're talking about traumas yeah, here. So yeah. um, that's a very common thing because then it can be scary and be like, oh my God, I feel like I'm getting worse. I feel like I'm taking the wrong step, right? Because it can, it can almost, there can be a spike in distress, Right. And that's, that's a really great measure of, of healing and trauma and everything. And, you know, that's a, it's a widely used metric and I love metrics because it tells you how well you do. Right. Logic guy over there. It tells you, it tells you, especially like when coaching, like when I coach people, which I'm looking to do again, that was something I tracked on a macro level and a Mm -hmm. micro level to, to track the progress over time, which I would say everybody should do because it's actually it gives you a lot of insight, right? So you can tell, okay, my distress level went up. Why? All right. My distress level went down. Why? And then you can just track your progress over time. And there's that age old saying about tracking and analytics, you know, what you track grows or what's measured grows. Right. So <clears throat> another way to say that is like what's measured improves, right? So if you measure whatever you want to improve in your life, if you measure it, it should get better. Right. Is the, is the idea. Um, <laughs> side note, I did that on an extreme level. Remember with our fights? <laughs> I had a little tracker on my phone just to see how frequently we had fights. And in the beginning, I was like resetting it like 
I don't know, multiple times a week. Or like these were bad. Maybe, maybe even more. Yeah, it was like a certain level of fight, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was wasn't a, like just a disagreement. It wasn't just a disagreement. It was like a. It was a fight that I didn't want to have in my relationship. I'll say that. So like I had a vision of what I wanted and I would track it, but then I got better in time. And then there's a point where it's like, well, I can delete the app because it's better. (laughs) But in the beginning, it also helped me become aware of the problem. I'm serious. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. Whatever. No, it is funny. No, but if you help me become aware of you did too. You did do it. Yeah. I did it too. We, uh, Brad and I went through this swing in our relationship where, you know, because there was so much trauma it like brought into the relationship and then you know it's just like a mess when you're in a relationship right so like I brought my past and then we all have our own sensitivities to begin with and then anyway everything just got so much worse so we had this big swing where like I had healed so I had stopped being the one basically to bring the like yelling and fights and screaming to the table and we had this big swing the other way where like Brad was the one starting to like bring that to the table and eventually I like started to track the fights and I remember when I first did it and I was like looking at I didn't use an app I just like used notes or something and I remember being like oh wow this is why he did this like I remember like (laughs) feeling like oh that makes a lot of I understand why he did this it's also validation right Mm -hmm. and you can get stuck in a vortex of emotion where you don't realize how bad things are because you're just stuck Mm -hmm. right honestly but like when you have a number and you're like, wow, we're fighting five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times per week. It's like, that's a real problem. Yeah. And when you can put a number on it, it's like, wow, that's shocking. I did it's the, the percentage. I was like, this oh. is the percentage that we fought. <laughs> See, then you go deeper month. into the data. And, and it you're was like, like crazy. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, right? it was wild. But it's like the same thing with business. It's like when you run a business, you have to know your numbers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like even like if some some part of business is, isn't working well, you want to know the numbers so you can fix it. It's mm-hmm. like diagnosing the problem. Right. And data is impersonal. It's just like, hey, here's what it is. It's objective, right? If the calculation is or the data collection or whatever is done correctly and the anal- analysis is done correctly. <laughs> but anyway. <Blech. laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So back to back to um uh emotions, right? So I uh we were talking about the rawness of, you know, when you first do processing. Right. I and want that's to pause a real, you real quick because yeah. it doesn't happen to everyone where it, like they have a big spike no, in no, distress no. level. Like it, it happens and there's a reason that it happens. And it's because like, imagine this is going to be a bad example for everyone, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like a dentist. Right. So like when you're having a problem with your tooth, I remember like I had a, a bunch of cavities growing up and always the process was you know they like numb you up right so like it didn't yeah. didn't hurt right but then they would drill out the tooth to expose the nerve mm-hmm. and then i am not a dentist so i don't exactly know what happens next but then they would like fix it whatever seal it you know because they would like dig out the cavity the part that was like decaying and then they would like put you know silver or whatever they put in it mercury <laughs> or something right <laughs> and, uh, um, right but like they would expose the nerve or like same with like a root canal right hurts really really bad and then your dentist goes I in I think it's more of a root canal yeah a root with, canal right with so cavities they just remove the they remove decay. the decay right okay so like with a root canal your dentist digs in you know numbs you up so it doesn't bother you but digs in exposes the nerve does something that fixes the problem in this case it's like so that I don't know whatever fixes your tooth and then fills it all back up and fills it back in puts a nice cap on it and makes it basically like so it never happened right so like the ex like they expose the pain right and in that like moment in time where like your nerve is like exposed that 
sometimes is very, very necessary in the healing process. And that's what it's going to feel like. It's just going to feel like this like rawness sometimes where it's like everything mm-hmm. feels like extra super duper sensitive. For those of you who have ever needed a root canal, you know this feeling. It's like anything that touches, like you lay down and your tooth, like you feel the nerve pain in your tooth or like you drink warm water and you can feel it like mm-hmm. everything. Oh, bo- I, yeah, I know. I, I, know, I, I don't have a one, bad but example. I feel it. <laughs> you remember that night I had? It was like very difficult night. But uh, uh, for, for, I mean, all things considered, from what we went through, it was actually a pretty good night. The my, well, I'll <laughs> tell the story real quick because I think it's funny, right? But I, growing up, I had always heard like my grandparents, whenever there was a, like a sore tooth, they would use whiskey. Oh yeah, this was that night, right? Yeah, that, that was. And fun. so I had just turned twenty one, I think, fairly recently. So we had this bottle. My best friend's mom. Gave me this this bottle of Crown Royale. I forget the flavor Apple. now. Apple. Apple. My favorite rum or whatever it is. And we had this and I was having this pain in my tooth. And I was like, what do I do? And it was like middle of the night. I like couldn't lay down. It was so painful. And I was like, oh, I'll get the rum, right? <laughs> okay. And then so I missed a big part of the story about how you treat teeth and rum, which is you're supposed to. Well, I think I brought that to you, right? I don't know. I, don't, I, I think I, I brought it I up. I remember my, parent, my, my, grandpa, like my parents saying my grandparents did it. And my, my, my mom told me about that too with her mom did it to her. Yeah. yeah. So whatever. We had a piece missing, which is the the very most important piece, which is you're supposed to soak rum or soak a cotton ball in rum. Yeah. And then put that like on your tooth that's bothering yeah, rum, you. Yeah. We were doing shots of rum all night long. And uh, I was trying to was like- I? No, well, you weren't, but you I were. was. <laughs> you and who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, myself, You and the and other I. person you were seeing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and I, because I remember our beds were catty corner at that point, but yeah. every couple hours, just like waking up, trying to hold the rum in my mouth. And anyway, by the time I got to the dentist, I was totally slammed the next morning at 8 a.m., like walking in drunk, but. <laughs> um, but that, that the point is right. Like it's, it can feel very, very raw. So even if there's not necessarily like a, a spike in distress level and not everyone feels like extreme rawness all the time, it varies from person to person, but that rawness can, can happen and be really, really real. And you can feel just like extra, mm-hmm. extra sensitive um, yeah. to everything. And that's a normal thing to happen. It's normal. And it's important to, to know that if it does happen to you, that it's supposed to be happening, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing isn't to close down and shut it down. It's to work through it right. Right? And, and keep going and, and take that as an indication of pro- progress forward because you're feeling things that you probably have never felt before, or you're feeling them in a way that you've never felt before. And in the beginning, I remember I didn't, I didn't know what was right. What was, what was wrong with healing. So I just experimented and I was just like, well, if this is something different, at least I'm doing something different because I know what I'm doing right now isn't working. And that was a really good guiding principle for me in my recovery was like, I always try to be aware of like, okay, what I'm doing right now clearly obviously is not working. <laughs> so if I do anything different, I have a higher likelihood of success because I know the road that I'm on right now has a 100, 100% guaranteed failure rate because I've been doing this and I've already proven this path. So let me try a new path. That will be something different. Mm-hmm. And that was a really great mindset for me to go into something that was scary, you know, like to, to feel those things and let those things out and confront all those, <coughs> those beliefs about emotions. You know what I mean? So 
excuse me. I don't know. I'm coughing, but, um, yeah, so that's a really important piece to think about as well. And then also, so we were talking about the releasing emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing was like, okay, when you start, when, when I was like driving home to Connecticut, I was like, I can't cry. And I started to work with myself. I started to relax and allow myself to, I told myself basically feel what you need to feel. Right. And a book actually helped me, um, inspired this idea. And then I, I kind of took, I kind of ran with it and went further with it. But, uh, it was Untethered Soul with Michael Singer. It's oh, actually Michael kind of Singer, like a spiritual yeah. book, but a big big thing about him, mm-hmm. he wrote another book called The Surrender Experiment Experiment, which is basically like letting go and just accepting. Mm-hmm. Right. And he did he had he had like a chapter or two on just allowing what emotions you feel to flow through you and be released. And then he brought the concept to me of like, well, once you release it, it's gone. Right. So like when you release the emotion, it's gone mm-hmm. and you don't want to fight the natural flow of energy and emotion through you. You want to just allow it to come, come out. And there's actually, there's, I mean, I learned this later. There's somatic therapy, right. Mm-hmm. And things like that, which has to do with like the body and a lot of, a lot of things that are kind of pseudoscience work because of some of the principles that we talk about here, like releasing emotions, you know? Like that, like if you have a good cathartic, you do something that's cathartic and you cry and you release all emotions, I can feel really good. Mm-hmm. Right. So, or get angry. Right. Was our last episode on anger? Angry. Yeah. Right. Where we talked about like that can be cathartic. Right. And destructive. Like it depends what it is. It can be both things. It can be, it can be positive or negative. I mean, and, and, you know, and, um, what we're talking about here today, right, is kind of the balance. You, you're using this word balance between the logic and the emotion, right? Which is why somatic therapy typically isn't everything because there's other pieces of the puzzle, right? So there's right, that right. logic side that typically is, is absent from that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the big criti- criticisms of, of that. Mm-hmm. It's too body-focused. It's too emotion-focused, which I'm not an expert at every nook and cranny of somatic therapy. Those are just the things that I've mm-hmm. witnessed and seen. But that was such a huge thing for me. Like for you though, was releasing emotions a challenging thing? No. I feel like that wasn't like once the door was open for you, it was like a floodgate. Whereas for me, it was like floodgate after floodgate after floodgate. But I had to like I felt like I had to manually go there and crank it open. Right. Each yeah. each time. You know, it would take me time to build up to the point. And I don't know if that's like a male female thing either. Um, or if there's more of a tendency. I've heard it generalized. That's been my experience with people. If I had to put it into a category, you know, that everyone's different, obviously, but generally that is what it appears to be more often. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if that's the difference or whatever, but doesn't, it doesn't really matter because you were, because it, it doesn't because it's individual. Yeah. It's individual at the end of the day. So, Yours was like, it was open and here it is. Yeah. It's on no, demand. It was there. You actually, did you have a harder time controlling the emotion, like shutting the floodgate than letting it open? Cause to me it was like, but you also had times where you shut down. So it wasn't like everything was open, but once mm-hmm. you became aware that you needed to open the emotions, you were able to do that. Right. I think for me, like the floodgate experience was like 
right, like that love, like when I fell deeper and deeper in love with you and like really fell for you, it was like, I know that can't exist without vulnerability. And that was like the floodgate of like, I know what this vulnerability means, right? Yeah. And it means opening the door to some some darker stuff and the difficult stuff. And to stop pushing that away, right? right? And there were multiple reasons for that. One being, you know, I wanted, you know, I was learning to trust you and I did trust you. And then I wanted to build a future with you. And all of it was important to discuss, right? And then obviously to do something about because there was so much pain, right? To, to yeah. heal it, yeah. even though at the time we didn't quite understand what that would look like or what that meant. But for me, the control wasn't really ever an issue I felt like I could turn it on and off, mm -hmm. right? And I like to use the example because I think it's a <clears throat> good benign example of like, this is still true. When we watch movies, when Brad and I specifically, <laughs> right? Because your your vulnerability is going to be different with different people. Like oh, if, yeah, if yeah, we yeah. were with friends, this would be different. If we were <laughs> with family, even this would be different. But like when Brad and I watch movies, let's say we're watching like a romantic comedy or something, right? And like they get married and like, I'll happy cry at them getting married. Like that makes there's me not a single uh, wedding scene or proposal scene that you will not cry at. Right, exactly. <laughs> when you're around me, exactly. Which, like, when I first met you, is like you're totally that different. was not. The I know case this is like first. who you really are, but like, yeah, you were so closed down. Right, you know, such a closed off person. So that happy emotion, right? And then right, when right, right. there's, you know, a death in the movie, it was like, oh, the sad crying, right? And then the laughter when they're like having fun together. So going through the course of a movie, like I will go through this, I follow the characters and I go through the roller coaster of emotions with them, but I like actually emote those emotions, right? I'm like very mm -hmm. empathetic. So to me, like that's how I like to describe it is like, I can follow that way very easily and connect to those emotions very easily. So I can turn them yeah, on and turn yeah. them off very easily. But watching the same movie with friends or family, those emotions are reeled in a bit yeah. or held back completely. Because you're, you, you're in a safe environment, which right. is actually, that's a very key element to this, right? So you felt safe around me, right? In my safe, <laughs> my safe space, <laughs> where I feel safe is um, when I'm alone, and nobody's around and nobody can hear me and nobody can talk to me mm -hmm. honestly because because I, I had like this this big thing of um you know don't don't cry don't feel don't do any of these things these things are bad or you shouldn't do these things or whatever so i i, I personally felt the safest alone i did most of my right. processing and my emotional uh connection release whatever processing in my car Mm -hmm. at various places around around town. So I would go down to uh, like a local marina where we first met, the mm -hmm. sailing center, URI Sailing Center, and then uh, uh, various parking lots, abandoned parking lots. <laughs> Doesn't that sound so <laughs> it, Early in the morning, <laughs> right? No, so I woke up early, so like 4.30, 4 I would get to the parking lot around, you know, after getting ready and driving there, 5.30, and then I would process for an hour, hour and a half, and then... I'd go to the gym, I'd come home, go on with my day. And that's where I, like, we talk about healing routines mm -hmm. in, in our membership and teach people how to, you know, how to build a habit of processing and building that into your daily, daily life and your lifestyle, because it's better to do, 
daily processing sessions over a long period of time that you can be consistent with than one massive one that you never do again, Mm -hmm. right? Or even once a week, right? And we can get, we've gone to that so many times how like the, the, it's always worth touching on, but the uh, traditional therapy model of going to therapy once a week and then being in a dependent relationship with that therapist Mm -hmm. is not a successful model for healing trauma, for healing PTSD. Like for a number of reasons. And to, to digress just a little bit today, because we talk about this a lot, but specifically what we're talking about, right? Like, and for you specifically, Brad, mm-hmm. and, and myself as well, that ultimate vulnerability and safety element when it comes yeah, to processing yeah. and, and trust, right? And that's not to say that that can't be built and it's not right. to say that that's not beneficial, beneficial to build with a professional, but just that alone can be a really big barrier to healing <laughs> if all the other ducks are in a row, right? And this yeah. is someone that knows what they're doing and can help you, you know, get from A to Z and all these different things. Yeah. That last element of trust, safety, vulnerability can be a really big blocker for people. Never mind, yeah. you know, only going once a week or, you know. Whatever. That's a really good point because I never would have healed. For that reason. Exactly. Right? And like and I, me too. I, I, I went to, you know, I found one therapist that helped me mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, but there was a limitation to that. Mm-hmm. It was only for a, little, a short period of time. But um, did IFS and EMDR, and I just like rocked it. And I was like, how many times can we meet it per week and whatever? And I went in there with the, the um, kind of the, the energy and the mindset of like, I will do whatever it takes. I will feel whatever I will feel. I will tell you anything that you need to be told so that I can heal. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like, that was the energy that I brought to there. But even with that, there are things that I held back, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah. You know, cause if I, if, if that was my only path, well, first of all, I ran out of money. going multiple times a week paying in cash no insurance you know so that was like a few hundred per week Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so that's like two or like 15 to two two thousand dollars a month did not last long um for me at that time but um yeah i wouldn't have i wouldn't have been able to you know fully allow myself to release my emotions to the to the degree that i needed to to heal. Right. Right. And I can't, I couldn't have known that back then. Right. I didn't know that I needed to kill, get or build that level of emotional skill Mm -hmm. in myself. So yeah, looking back, that was something that I definitely needed because being alone, that's, that's when I could really let go and really find the depths of the emotions that I was feeling and explore them and solve them and Mm -hmm. resolve it. And, yeah, so that's a really interesting thing. Like environment cool, as a whole, right? There's an inner strength to that as well, right? Where it's like you you do this, you know, like with guidance, of course, but like also on your own. Yeah. Right? And it's like we didn't make all this up to the point where like we never read a book and never we didn't take take anyone's yeah. advice, like <laughs> didn't read any studies or like Right. But like you also like and I have this great inner confidence of like, oh, well, ultimately I did it. It's the same with like a fitness program. It's like someone like your fitness coach can tell you A to Z, here's what you do every day for 90 days, but you're the one who actually has to do it. So like you being able to do it gives you this great inner confidence and this, this amazing 
like resilience of like, hey, I did this thing, yeah, yeah. which is really cool because once like nobody can ever take that away. I love things like yeah. that. Well, you get, you get confidence and then you get real confidence because then you actually do something and you achieve it and you see, see the results of your action. Right. Right. And that, that to me, that's when you really build confidence. Like when you do something, it's like you can talk, talk yourself up and that stuff is great and build those beliefs in yourself. But at some point you have to take action. Right. For me, at least I need to take action. I need to do something and see results. And that's when it like really solidifies that confidence because then it's like, well, I have cold, hard evidence and truth that I am able to do this. Logic guy. Right. Just, it's awesome. And I, I'm I'm not saying I can't have confidence without that, but I'm saying it's like so much more real when it's like, how can we talk on this topic? Because we have confidence because we did it. Right. It's like, we're not trying to memorize things from all these books. And like, we're not like talking about all these theories and studies and all these other things that other people did. It's like, no, we did this. We walked the walk. Mm -hmm. We know what it's like. Like everything that you're hearing is, are things that we actually went through. That's the hard proof, right? That's the, exactly. And that's what gives you like the highest level of confidence is doing and then achieving. So not only do you gain confidence because with, with the, I guess the thought or the mindset of like, I have the tools to do what I need to do, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm in control. I have the power to do this. I also have proof. Here's the proof. The proof is in the pudding. (laughs) You can't beat that. You know, like it just, it just like (laughs) elevates that to the next level. So that's a really important thing. But I think the idea of environment that you brought up is such a Mm -hmm. good concept because people, listeners can think about, am I, in a safe environment enough to feel my emotions. And then if it's no, how can next I? question is how can I? Because I don't want that to be an excuse for people either. Cause it's like, we had at times a very volatile, unsafe, toxic environment within our relationship. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we still found and created time and space that was safe for us. And that meant being like, so Brad's talking about like going out and driving to a marina you know, early in the morning and creating that space for himself, creating it, waking up at four 30 or taking advantage of space that's there. Right. So like when Brad went home to visit his parents, like, okay, so I have this space for me that now I'm alone. Right. Which is great. So like finding, creating that space. And that's the thing. And there are plenty of times where, you know, I drove around to, to feel those emotions or to do whatever I needed to do. I remember whether it was the library, because for me, and I want to talk about this in a minute here, make the transition to logic a lot of logic work needed to be done. So for me, I didn't really necessarily need the space to feel emotions, although there were times for that. Mm -hmm. I was in touch with those emotions, validating them, feeling them, right? But what I really needed was space to think and think clearly and actually for me get space from those emotions. And for me, like a place like a library where it's like, okay, it, it socially puts a cap on emotions but it allows you the space to think and think logically. Think critically, yeah. That's think really interesting. Yeah. Right. So you facilitate, you control your environment in a way that would allow you to facilitate and strengthen your logical skills, mm-hmm. right. And focus, help focus that aspect of your recovery. That's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that. So if like you want to look at things more logically, which again, we'll dive into, Yeah. you can put yourself into like a library, that's the perfect setting where there's yeah. people around. You're not going to be bawling your eyes out in the corner. Exactly. Um, 
It's like, no, you're, you're going to compose yourself mm-hmm. and you're going to work through this. Right. And that's kind of the, the mindset you need to be in. Be like, well, I'm going to work through this thing. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to basically force myself to look at this or encourage myself as much as I can <laughs> <laughs> to look at this logically. Right. I'm getting better with my words. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll, I'll just say one last thing about, about emotions before we go into logic. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it's so essential to, I would say it's not, it's, I say it's so essential so much that I forget that essential means essential, you know, right. like essential, like ATM machine. It's like the essence, right. Of what recovery is, is letting out these emotions and building that skill and ability to release emotions safely and confidently. And we could go on for so much longer. Um, I'll give one quick tip on releasing emotions, find a safe spot, whatever is safe for you, lay down, relax, take some deep breaths. If you know any relief tools, do those. And then, um, close your eyes, deep breaths, whatever, tell yourself, feel what you need to feel. And then you'll start feeling the uh, emotions in your body or this, it'll almost feel like an energy in your body. Right. And I would feel this when I did this in the beginning, I'd feel, I felt a lot of tension in my chest and I could feel that tension kind of moving up and down. Right. So as I released the emotion or as I relaxed, I could feel the emotion kind of coming to the surface of my chest and also moving up towards my neck. And when I totally relaxed, it was like, it was almost like it was coming out of my mouth and my chest just felt like it was open wide. Mm-hmm. Like the, te- the tension was just out at the surface. Right. And it's such a, it's such a strange thing to describe. And I remember you didn't really get it until I actually walked you through or I think I just questioned you. It's mm-hmm. like, how does the emotion feel right now? And how it, do you feel it moving? It's like, release it. When you, when we were working with one specific mm-hmm. thing, do you remember that? I do remember that. Yep. That was my one experience with that. Yeah. Specifically. Um, yeah. So if you're Kayleen, you just, it'll, it'll be easy for it to come to the surface. But if you're like me and you have trouble releasing the emotions, this is kind of how it will, how it will work. Or if you're working with a trauma that, you know, maybe one trauma you're able to access easily. Another one, you're not able to access easily the emotions. Um, but working with, with the emotion and practicing releasing them and releasing them looks, can look like anything. Like I said, it's allowing your body to do what it needs to do. Now, I want to Whatever pause it needs to do. real quick before we move on to logic. Yeah. I have one caveat. Okay. Okay. Well, well yeah, maybe that's probably the pause. Yeah. Say, right. So it's important that, you know, this isn't just a guttural, I mean, it, it can, it can look like a guttural uh-huh. release, right? but you want to make sure that you are always in control. It's never losing control of your emotions, not allowing yourself to lose control. You are in control of this process 100% of the time. You can shut it down at any point. And a good way that you do this is by separating yourself from your emotion and almost seeing your emo- seeing your body. And this is another weird thing to kind of conceptualize, but basically almost imagining yourself or your consciousness floating outside of your body where you're observing yourself as if you were looking at somebody else. Right. And this is like a good concept to help build awareness. Right. I'm not actually saying you float outside your body, but I mean, if you can do that, that's great. You're not. (laughs) I'm not. I'm (laughs) not. I wish I could, but. So, my point on that same wavelength of the caveat is about 
and I don't know that we'll get to this in the scope of this conversation, but if not, we'll definitely do another podcast on this, that kind of the hierarchy, right? This doesn't mean being led by your emotions, right? This is a time and place that you take yes. to feel the emotions. It's not letting your emotions control you and what you do yes. and what you say and the conversations that you have and different things like that. It's a very, it's a, it's in a very emotional process, but it's also filtered through logic. You're yeah. viewing it from that detached place where you can see things you can understand and you're controlling everything, right? Like you're not, you're not making emotional decisions. You're not just letting your emotions take control of you and things like that. It's like you're in control. You're detached from the emotions while you're still able to feel them. And it's filtered through a very logical process, right? So like it, it, it makes sense. I remember talking to somebody about this uh, one of my coaching clients and, um, one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I was, t I was teaching him this concept of like, you need to be able to release your emotions and feel them. And he said to me, e do I, do I feel the emotions even if what they're saying or represent is absolutely bat s crazy? <laughs> like, even though, even if it's absolutely crazy, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't mean that is true. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be true for you to feel that way. Right. And it's, it's important not to mix up emotion and reality and to think that your emotions are reality. That's where like, you always have the filter of logic and you filter everything through logic first. And the number one thing on the hierarchy is logic. Like that is the foundation, everything you need to be grounded in reality and all of that. And you need to be able to address the emotion that is absolutely destroying your life. That is trauma and PTSD, right? So that's a very logical thing where it's like, okay, well, I'm feeling this thing, even though I, it's like this, the conundrum of like, I'm feeling this, I'm having all these symptoms. I'm feeling all this pain. I'm feeling all this constant terror, constant anxiety, but I know that it's not true and I shouldn't feel that way. So that doesn't make it go away. Well, right. And that's right? where it like, so you have to deal with it. That's There's the point. Difference it's like it's a the, logical in the conversation, process. right? Because for Brad, like you had that logic, right? So you were like, okay, well, yeah, I understand these things to be true, but the feelings didn't quite align with that. Well, right. And they didn't align at all. My feelings didn't, didn't align with reality one bit. The best example is like, I go through everything with you. You know, I, I, like I help you through your, your PTSD, your nightmares, your flashbacks. And that terrified me. And that was a trauma for me to go through. And I developed a lot of anger for you, right? So it was like this weird uh, convergence where like you healed and then I like swung up mm -hmm. and I, I was the one that was acting erratic and all these other things. But then you built this safe environment and I was acting erratic. So my emotions weren't align, aligning up with reality at that point because things were different. Things were, you were healed, things were better. I was reacting as if I was back in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though I logically knew and I could look at the situation and be like, wow, she's not mad at you. She's not she's not yelling. She's not having a nightmare. Nothing. Nothing's going on. Everything's fine. Everything's actually really, really good right now. <laughs> and I would see myself do that as I was yelling at you. You know, and my emotions at that time. Held control and they were ruining my life. So you have to look at the emotions to solve the problem. 
and you're so right. It has to be, has to be seen through the lens of logic and it is a logical process, but it doesn't mean that the emotions are grounded in reality, a past reality, right? And that's generally what it is, is right. Well, you, you feel these emotions because you went through these things in the past and now they're reemerging in the present, but it doesn't align and it doesn't help you function in the present or move move forward to create a better future. Now, I want to give an example because you had just, you kind of shared this example, but just to paint a clearer picture. So when we're saying like your emotions and logic and reality and past reality and things like that, like you, in an ideal world, you want all those things to align, meaning like you feel appropriately for the given reality that you're in, whatever that is, right? So for some people, they have a really difficult time admitting they have a feeling that they know they shouldn't or don't want to have, right? So during that time, I had created a safe environment where things were great, things were excellent, Mm -hmm. right? Things were really, really excellent. But there was a part of Brad that held a lot of resentment for me for everything that we had been through. So even though he, he knew it was safe, logically he knew it was safe, he saw that things were different, emotionally he hated me in in some regard and i think and you can correct me if i'm wrong but just to kind of simplify a bit what really was holding him back from a lot of his healing and our relationship from moving forward was he didn't want to admit that part of him hated me and he didn't want to admit that like he had those feelings because he felt like those feelings were wrong because things were safe. Right. So like, of course he still loved me, but he saw that things were safe, but he didn't feel that way yet. So he had to admit, okay, part of me hates you, resents you, acknowledge those feelings, feel those feelings. And then he could kind of step into this kind of current reality where things were safe and the logic and the emotion aligned. Yeah. It was similar. It was close. Or that was, that was close. So I actually, I held on to the hate, because I was afraid to lose the hate because that was the thing that was protecting me from being hurt. So I was afraid of letting the hate go because the hate was the thing that, or the hate, the anger, whatever was the thing that was basically, I was, I was projecting out into the world to protect the vulnerable parts of myself that were hurt, helping you through what you went through. Mm -hmm. So I was afraid to let that hate down because then my vulnerable parts were exposed again you know, those pieces of me that were hurt in the past. Right. So that's what that was for me. Well, and I want to point out too. That was the biggest like yeah. struggle right there. Letting that, go of that and being like, it is safe and trusting you again, right? Right. That, okay, this this new reality is safe. Everything is okay. That was, that right there was the hardest thing to let go of that hate, to, to let go of that anger. Because that was the thing that was protecting me. I had all these vulnerable things. I was hurt from all these things in the past and yeah. It's right. And to let that go. What I want to like point out, right, is the alignment of those things. Like, because then reality was able to come into alignment, which is like, oh, things are safe and things are good. And like your emotions now align with your logic. Yes. Which is really great. And so it's not always going to be a process like Brad just described where it's like, oh, and I'm learning how to trust you again. Right. And um, I, it won't always be fear based. Like, I've seen this um, a handful of times with like, Typically, it's people fighting themselves, right? Mm. And I've seen it a handful of times with mothers and mothers who, like, their young children are, like, really sick or really colicky or just, like, don't sleep. Colicky? Uh, just, like... I think of, like, cowlick. 
No, just like they, they're annoying, difficult children, right? The infants where yeah. they're not sleeping, they're not eating maybe the way that they should. Like they're just difficult for, for some reason. Some, sometimes that happens when kids are born premature, right? They're not fully developed and stuff mm-hmm. like this. And it's just a tremendous amount of stress and sleepless nights and a huge, for lack of a better term, burden it's a huge responsibility, right? For, for parents and end up building this resentment toward like, Oh, well, I'm not getting my needs met. I'm not sleeping. I'm not working. My relationship is strained. Like I'm strained. I'm stressed and end up building this resentment towards their child long after those days are over and then have a, they fight themselves on it because they say like, no, well, obviously I would do anything for my child and I love them and I do it all again. And like all these different things, right? Like, obviously they are my number one priority and I would, I would give my life for them mm-hmm. and fight themselves on also like accepting the emotional aspect of that, which is, and right. And we love the and stance around here. And <laughs> there's a part of me that holds some resentment, even yeah. though, you know, logically that's nuts. They're an yeah. infant. It's not yeah. their fault. Like, and that's the difference. And I wanted to paint like a yeah. simple picture of that's like, that's a great example. That's the difference. You know that you don't hate them. You know that they're amazing. You know, it's not their fault. You know, all these things logically, but that doesn't make the emotion go away. And so in that scenario, right. And again, we're talking about like finding the balance and everyone's going to be different in this regard. And that scenario admitting to yourself and like validating that feeling of like resentment. I do feel this resentment and yeah. And you love your kid more than anything on the planet and you would do anything. Both of those things are true. And then once you acknowledge that feeling, you can heal it. And then you, you can really truly only feel that love, you know? So, and, uh, I, I apologize. I I think I did a little oversimplification of what, you know, we had gone through and I, on your side, I don't care. Um, but that is such an interesting point though, because like, that's like, that's a perfect example of how you can, you can feel emotion pushed away Mm -hmm. and pushed away because you, you know, it's logically not true. You're like, no, I love my child. Mm -hmm. And also I'm holding some resentment. Mm -hmm. And if you don't solve it, it's very, it it can be very challenging Mm -hmm. to admit. Uh, but then it comes down to this. It's like, well, if you don't admit it and you don't face it and you don't own it, that resentment is going to pop up whether you want it to mm-hmm, or not. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the tricky things about thing about emotions, man. It's like they're coming. You know, out. you could be like, yeah, they're coming up they're coming if they're out. if they're strong enough and traumatic enough. Like they're going to pop out in one way or another, um, and ruin different aspects of your life or your relationships or whatever. So he's like, you got to admit these things, and that's where like. I want to do a whole episode on like radical honesty with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need to be honest with yourself about what you feel. Right. And it comes down to honesty of like, okay, I feel this emotion. Right. And it's accepting it and it's owning mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not beating yourself up. It's taking right. responsibility. Cause when you take responsibility, you don't blame anybody. We talked about this on one of the, our past episodes where it's like, you don't blame other people and you don't blame yourself. Right. Right. So there's no blame. You just own it. Right. And then you can solve the problem and then you can move forward. Which is the ultimate goal. That is the right? ultimate goal. And then it doesn't bother you or your, your child ever again, whatever it is in that specific example. Right. For me, it's like, well, I had to own, I, I actually had that, that same thing in a, quite a few relationships, not quite a few, a handful of relationships mm-hmm. where I held resentment for people, but I didn't want to hold resentment for them mm-hmm. because I love them. Right. Right. And that's a, that's a challenging thing, but you got to own it and fix it if you want, if you want to fix it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And it yeah. comes down to that too. But I like that as an example, cause that's a, a great example of how something's out of alignment or like guilt. Right. So, you know, something's not your fault. 
right? You know that something was chance or a total accident, right? You know it's not your fault logically, but emotionally you feel right. differently. It's really important to acknowledge these mm-hmm. things. And to me, that's like ultimate strength when someone can sit down and say like, okay, well, what is it that I'm feeling? Feelings are feelings, right? And we'll talk about hierarchy in a second because I do want to touch on it, at the very least touch on it, if not talk a little bit more about it. But emotions are not should not be our driving force, right? So they're there to, to, to tell us different things, to send us yeah. messages, to enhance our life is the idea, to make us better people, to enhance our life, to enhance our relationships, but they're not the driving force, right? So there's a, a time and a place to figure out that balance for emotions and logic, and mm. and I want to actually take a step back because I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I want to just go back to the logic part for a minute. For me, I could get in touch with my emotions fine, right? But the logic I I really struggled with. So what I needed to do was sit down and dissect from a third-party perspective, oh, well, here's exactly what's true, here's exactly Mm -hmm. what's not true, and this is why. And so for me, like the bulk of my work, and we, for those of you who are in our recovery program, you'll see this a lot in the beliefs work, in... The I mean, you'll see it in, in everything, but heavily in the beliefs work, <clears throat> excuse me, and then heavily in why I'm so keen on like worksheets, because for me, that was like my logical way of like organizing my thoughts and saying, okay, here's what's true to stay really grounded in reality mm-hmm. and let the emotion have its appropriate role when it was time for that, but not any other time. So that was kind of my experience was really getting the logic right. What is true? What is not true? What is my responsibility? What isn't? Because I was heavy on the side of Mm -hmm. like fully taking responsibility for everything that's ever happened on the planet ever for any reason. (laughs) And well, yeah, yeah. taking blame, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Taking blame, which in my head at the time was responsibility. Right. 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 And so I needed to sit down and, and imagine myself basically being somebody else and, and, do some logical organization really is what it was more than anything. Yeah. What I want to point out is something that you did when you were explaining what you had to do to develop your logical skill and your logical mind was you just went through all these different questions you asked yourself. Mm -hmm. One of them being what is true, what is not true. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the essence, I believe that is a core element of logic is like, is this true? Because a lot of times how we're how, how we make decisions, how we, how we act in life is based off of emotions. And then we rash, like the logic comes after the emotion, right? It's like we have the hierarchy of emotion, especially in high emotion situations or triggering situations, your emotion tends to be first in the hierarchy mm-hmm. and then comes the logic to, to justify it or to, you know, make a decision, an emotional decision based off of that, you know, and you, you take that as real. Can I pause you? Yeah, just 100%. I want to go back to what you said, right? So Brad's saying what can happen is we have this misplaced hierarchy, which is emotion first, and that's the driver, and then logic second. And I want to point out what you said because it was really powerful. Emotion comes second, and emotion comes to justify, oh, excuse me, logic. you had said logic comes second, and logic comes to justify whatever emotion is leading with, right? So- I want to point that out because we can make sense of anything, Mm -hmm. right? And I want you to think about that for a second. We can make sense of anything. You can find A to Z real quick 
for any reason. You can do yeah. the mental gymnastics. So when emotion comes first, logic is going to look like it backs it up. It's going to yeah. look like logic is on your side when it's not. Yeah, you might emotionally feel that every like example, right? So like going back to the 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 time where I would I I, I had a big part of me that hated you mm-hmm. and was angry at you, right? So that anger would come up first, and then the logic behind yes. would justify that anger, mm-hmm. right? And say, hey, well she did do all these things to you, mm-hmm. and by the way, here are all the you want a list? Here's, Here's the, the laundry list. list. Here's the laundry list of all the things that she did, right? Mm-hmm. And it, like my logic came to back up the emotion, which is like a scary thing. Really scary, right? Because then your 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 emotion, right, which isn't based on reality, which isn't based on truth, is what's driving the ship mm-hmm. and driving your life forward and ruining your life, right? Especially right. when you talk about these destructive emotions. It's like, well, you don't want those things running your life, right? right? And making your decisions and then you don't it starts want any to warp your mind as well. Then you start to actually believe, like, if if you live long enough with that kind of inverted hierarchy where emotions are first always, then you start to develop this, like, solidified belief, all these messed up beliefs. You start to have, like, you know, all these, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Twisted? Not really. I can't think of the word. But yeah, twisted, you have all these twisted beliefs on that don't align with what's true or what's real. Right. And that, man, that screws you up. It's distorted. Yeah. It's really distorted. Right. And then that's going to lead your, your life into a place that's, it's not a good place to be because that's the thing is like you start to, cause there's some logic there. It's just not, it's, it's a fallacy, right? Like you, you talk yourself into something that, is not necessarily the truth. And so you think you're, you have logic behind it and you get confused because you're unaware of what's coming first. If it's logic, if it's emotion and what that hierarchy is. So you feel very just in your emotions, right? And you lead, if you lead your life with emotions, like I said, you're going to lead down a, a very, very, very difficult path for you and the people that you love. Yeah. And that's true of any emotion, right? Uh, in like, if we take trauma out of the picture, because like emotions are important, it's important to understand them. It's important to validate them. It's yeah. important to Spend feel them. Forty minutes talking about it, like literally. Right. <laughs> but if we took trauma out of the picture, still you don't want emotion to be first, right? Even if it's love, especially if it's fear, right? It, nerves are a really good thing. We want to do things that are uncomfortable for us. I can't tell you how many experiences I've had in my life, and I can share a story or two if we have time, but where I was pushed to do the logical thing, despite what my emotions were telling me, and it was the very best thing for me. I mean, you just think just in general, right? Think about addictions, that's you're leading with emotion, typically fear, shame, or anxiety or depression. You're leading with emotion yeah. and then you're backing it up. Oh, well, this is the reason that I do all these things Yeah. rather so than leading with logic. Right. right? And right. so like, again, there've been so many moments where like, I'm afraid I'm terrified. Like, and it feels terrified. Mm-hmm. It really does. It feels like you're terrified, especially like if you're younger, if you're a kid, like you feel terrified to go and do this presentation in school. One of the very few reasons I love like the public education system, at least as it was, was like it forced you to do some things you didn't want to do. You have a presentation, you have to work as a group, like all these different things, right? So you have to give a, a solo presentation. I remember doing my like 
whatever you call it for high school, my senior thesis, right? And giving the presentation. I was like so nervous. Mm -hmm. I was like so nervous. I had already had a little bit of a background teaching, but this was in front of my peers about, you know, whatever. It was like a topic I wasn't comfortable with. And all day, like, I think it was like a sixth period class, yeah. right? And all day I was like so anxious about it. I was like so worked up about it. And then I did it. I got like 100% on the presentation. It was great. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? I had that feedback, right? And so if I let fear stop me, I wouldn't have that feedback. I wouldn't have gone on to be yeah. a more confident teacher. But you know, you, know what, you know what you would have? That fear. Still have you that would fear. still have that fear. Number and one fear, I don't know if this is true across all countries, at least in the U.S., it, over death, listen to this, is public speaking. Right? Yeah. I want you to think about how much that's going to hold you back. Little yeah. fears. We're talking about little fears, big fears, all sorts of fears. <sighs> right? So that mm. discomfort is a good thing. We want to be outside of our comfort zone. We don't want to mm. be in, a, in pain. And there's a difference between discomfort and pain. And I like to use the example of working out. When you're working out, you want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to be in pain. That discomfort is what's going to allow you to grow. So you don't mm -hmm. want to be leading with emotion. You want to factor emotion in, but ultimately it's the logic that makes the decision, right? You want to factor- In an ideal world, yeah. Positive in, positive emotions too, love and fun. And you want to factor all that in, but logic has to be the ultimate decision maker in the ideal world. And that's how you're going yeah. to get- no one's perfect The ideal that, outcome, you know, for your life. Yeah, yeah. And that's a challenging thing to 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 reach. And there's probably a lot of people who are out, out there who are probably like, that's an unrealistic goal to hold. But like I always like to think well, like you should have an ideal. And you should never sacrifice the ideal just because it may theoretically be un unobtainable or like with any goal. It's like you should never lower your goals or your ideal. Um, and think about like that that's one of those goals where it's like a case by case achievement where it's like okay, like 90% of my life I lead with logic. And then guess what? Sometimes I lead with emotion. And that means sometimes we take our kids out of school and go to Disney World on a whim, right? Instead of the logical thing, which is they have, you know, four tests this Friday and like they need to be home studying. Like, no, we're going to Disney World, right? Like it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be this perfect process, but especially when it comes to trauma. Yeah. Well, the, that's what when we it comes to, to trauma. For. Yeah. And, and building the skill of logic, it's, it's looking to, it's searching to find the truth and not just the truth. I'm going to add something else is the objective truth. And that's like, we talked about, like I said, with emotions, it's like, well, you want to kind of separate yourself, look at yourself almost as if you're floating outside of your body and observe yourself. Like you're observing somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. That's so you can get an object, objective detached view of what you're feeling so that you can view it logically so that you can see the objective uh, get an objective view of what's going on, mm -hmm. right? So you're not consumed in it, right? And that's the other flip as well. Like when emotion is first, it's very subjective, right? Mm -hmm. So you're basing all of your decisions off of subjective things. Like it could be true, it might not be true, but I'm going to make all my life's decisions based off of this thing that, you know, may not be true. But when you have your hierarchy right and you you go through logic first, it's like, well, you try to look at things objectively. You try to look at it, look at the problem or the situation at different angles mm -hmm. so that you can find the truth. You get different perspectives, right? So that's a key point is ob the objective truth, right? 
Yeah, and then at the, like, and then asking questions like your you, worst case scenario is you understand the logical perspective, you understand the emotional perspective, and then you can make a decision based off of those two things. Like you can yeah, say, yeah. you can explore. Okay, well, what would be if logic was leading? What would it look like? Right. If emotion was leading, what would it look like? <laughs> Where do I want? What do I want it to be? Yeah, and then yeah. you can kind of make that choice too, which is amazing. Right, right. So it really comes down to balancing between the two of those developing the emotions right developing that emotional skill within yourself so you can feel the emotions you can release the emotions but also be detached from them so that you're in that objective you have that objective perspective on them so you're controlling them from a logical point of view so the hierarchy is still right and then you want to you want to question you want to question your thoughts is this true question your emotions is this true is this reality is this objective Am I feeling things in an objective way? Does what I feel and what I think align with what I'm experiencing in reality right now or at all? And if not, is there some processing that needs to be done? Right. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It was awesome. I enjoyed being here with you, Kayleen. Thank you, Brian. If you enjoyed, I enjoyed it, this. Drop us a review. We would love to get a review and share it with someone you think would, you would think would, uh, you know, who, who, who you who think would, would enjoy from it. it. You can benefit from it. See you next time. Bye-bye.